The Thunderbolts are making moves with casting news. DC has their Supergirl. The Last of Us is grabbing successful directors. Plus, Marvel and Sony continue to disagree over our favorite web slinger. All of that and more after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me on the panel today, we have Jay Scotty St. Clair. What is going on, buddy? Uh, you know, it, it kind of started off looking like it was going to be a slow week, and here we are with a fully packed week ahead of us, so I'm, I'm doing mm-hmm. pretty good. Happy to be here. That's our friend every week now. Like, it, it, for, for a while, uh, it was always kind of, it was a little slow during the strike, and now every week we're like, not sure if we're going to get enough, and it's like, oh, a deluge hits on Monday here, Tuesday. Right, right, right. Haley, Hobbs, how's it going, Haley? It's going great. We sure do have some juicy stuff to talk about. Mm. <laughs> and Jay Sisson. <laughs> you might have to rate this one TVMA by the time it's over. So might have to get uh, the explicit tag. Uh-oh. Yeah, we have some bucket news to discuss that may, may affect the podcast rating on all the, all the platforms. So, you know, before we get into it, let's thank, uh, thank our friend, Paperweight guy, paper white guy. I don't know. I'm gonna go with paperweight. I think <laughs> I was like, because paper is, I don't know, paper white. Like, I thought about it, he's paper white, you know, or paperweight sounds like a, a, a ranking in boxing. <laughs> just super into paperweights, just like got oh, tons of paperweights. Paper, yeah. paperweight, that kind of paperweight. No, yeah. it's, it's got to be paper white guy. I think that's what he means, right? WT, <laughs> white. It's just WT. It's paper WT guy. It could be his name. It could be. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The, more, anyway. the more we talk about it, the more open into, to interpretation, I guess it is. But when I saw it, I was just like paperweight. <laughs> I didn't think any more about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gives a five-star review over on iTunes saying, great panel, one of, our, one of my favorite weekly podcasts, full of interesting news and entertaining commentary from the four great hosts. Uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, yeah. Really appreciate you rank, ranking us uh, over on uh, iTunes, uh, paperweight guy. Uh, let us know how to say your how to say your <laughs> handle. If you want us to try to figure out what your screen name says, go believe us a five star review. That's right. <laughs> figure it out too. Yes, make your screen name as confusing as possible, and then send us in as many five star reviews. Give us lots of interpretations. Make it real scandalous. Uh, okay, okay, our first our first story for the day. There's been a flurry of casting news surrounding Marvel Studios' Thunderbolts this week. Top Gun Maverick and Lessons in Chemistry star Lewis Pullman has an offer to replace Steven Yoon as Sentry after Yoon exited the project due to scheduling issues. Additionally, Geraldine Viswanathan is set to join the film replacing Ayo Edebiri, who is also departing the project due to her schedule. It is also said that audiences can expect to see Rachel Weisz, 
and Lawrence Fishburne in the project, portraying their respective MCU characters, Melina Vostokov and Bill Foster. Thunderbolts has had a lot of moving parts change recently. Does the Cassie Noon concern us, or will we get a more fleshed-out movie? There's a lot to unpack with this one, and Thunderbolts has very much been one of those projects that's really been up in the air. And had you asked me, you know, maybe a week or two ago, I think my response would have been more one more of concern and, and hesitation. But honestly, the fact that we're getting this much casting news bodes really well for me in terms of this movie actually getting off the ground. Like there was a, a point in time where I was, I was extremely excited for the Thunderbolts, but the likelihood that it was actually going to happen seemed like, less and less like it like it was going to happen so um all of this actually sounds really good to me i mean i'll kind of start with the the lewis pullman casting there because i've seen some pushback from you know some people online like they're kind of a little upset that this this role went from going you know with steven Yeun, a person of color to a, a pretty white person and lewis pullman but my takeaway is a little bit different like we uh, we still don't know the exact reasons why Steven Yeun left the project. He cited, you know, scheduling conflicts, but there was the whole situation with Robert Kirkman kind of ousting him. Uh, but my takeaway is like, as they've been working on this film and kind of tweaking this film, like I suspect that the role of Sentry has probably been reduced pretty significantly, which is part of the reason that Steven Yeun would want to leave. And when you look at the list of like people they've been, um, you know, entertaining for the idea of stepping into this role. I think that makes a lot of sense. And while Lewis Pullman is very much one of those actors that's kind of on the rise and is becoming more of a household name, he's not quite at the level of Steven Yeun yet. So I think it makes sense for a character like him. And as I've learned more about the character of the century and, you know, his his comic origins, he really is kind of a, a tortured soul. And I think Lewis Pullman does a really good job of kind of portraying these put-upon characters, especially if you saw what he did in, uh, in Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, apart from all of that, I, I really do like, you know, none of this is confirmed in terms of the the Rachel Weiss and the Lawrence Fishburne casting, but having just seen those characters in season two of What If and having both of those actors actually voice the animated counterparts, I think that speaks to, you know, some interest that both of those actors still have in those, in those characters and both of those, you know, um, Actors lend a lot of uh, talent and a certain pedigree, so I, I'm excited, and I think those are characters that work really well within the fabric of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and specifically the Thunderbolts. So, uh, I, I, again, I hope all of this really speaks to the fact that this movie is going to like enter production and, and get off the ground. Um, yeah, I think you're right on with the Steven Yeun like speculation that maybe there was an exit due to the part changing because I think there's a possibility that that also happened with Ayo Edebiri. I mean, her mm. career is on the rise. Like she's a pretty hot name in Hollywood right now. She's been doing all the award circuits and she's probably someone who I would imagine Marvel would want to use in a more leading role at some point in a film. Mm. It seems like the part that she has vacated is some sort of an assistant to uh, Julia Louise's Dreyfus's character. Like that's the role that she was cast in. Right. And to me, like that seems like an underutilization of, of her as an actress so i think like again they said it was scheduling so that's kind of what we have to go with but if you want to speculate about it it seems like maybe her team is saying hey like why don't you hold out a little bit why don't we back out of this, this is a small role it was cast a few years ago before you really started to kind of catch fire in hollywood maybe let's try to reevaluate this thing whenever some bigger roles come open in these comic book movies if we want to do a comic book movie rather than 
kind of do like the Kate Mara thing, like stick you in a minor role in a movie, like a Marvel movie, and then you're just kind of pigeonholed into that role. You can't really go into a wider role eventually uh, in, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, so yeah, but these are a lot of moving parts. Um, really, I, I do wonder how it may potentially affect the core lineup of people in the movie. Hmm. Like, it seems like when the movie was announced, they were like, all right, we're getting, um, you know, the J- John Walker and Ghost and Taskmaster and, like, you think Zemo was sort of mentioned and all of these different types of characters. And at this point, you have to wonder, like, you know, you got to have Florence Pugh, you got to have Sebastian Stan, like, you got to have those two for sure. Like, they'll probably hold up the movie but past then it's like you got to wonder like hopefully there's not a whole lot of movement going on on that core group of people across the line you don't really want to see a lot of shakeups there uh, especially when you're getting into like Wyatt Russell and David Harbour like these are big names you want to make sure you maintain so mm-hmm. hopefully they've worked out the scheduling conflicts with those core people and I think that'll really keep this movie uh, intact and keep it on schedule hopefully mm. it's interesting you guys both had kind of different takes on why these actors might depart and mine is very like like along the lines of both of those, but different. Uh, you know, I think I think it's it's also very possible that you know the cachet of Marvel is a little down, and these actors who are more at the top of their game right now, looking for that huge breakout, make them a household name uh, role. Maybe were were you know two years ago when this or whatever a year ago when they were casting this they were like any Marvel movie hop on it but with all this Marvel consternation this year they might be going you know scheduling conflicts maybe I'll do maybe I'll you know maybe I'll do some other move try my hand at some other big budget movie uh, rather than Marvel since they're getting uh, lambasted lately um, but and I think it's I think it's a loss on both counts I think I I really like. Um, Pullman. I just watched Lessons in Chemistry. He was amazing on in that. I really, really loved him. A lot, a lot of charisma. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see what he could pull off with that character. But, uh, but Stephen Young's great, and I, and so like I, it's, it's hard, it's hard to balance that. Uh, I don't know uh, Geraldine Viswanathan, but uh, Io Edebiri is awesome on uh, uh, the Bear. She's really, really great, um, and, I, and I hope. Hope she gets on into some something cool soon that uh you know take that acting cachet that she's gotten and like put it put it on the big screen somewhere. I think the scheduling conflicts do matter. I think that they are legit because of the strikes. I think so much stuff got pushed around and jumbled because of those. But people are having to pull out of stuff that maybe they didn't want to. Um, you are talking about some actors who are like you both like you all said, rising in their game, like Io in The Bear. She just won awards, and that show is just exploding uh, in awards season. So there could be some of that. Like, I'm holding out for some better stuff. But I still think that Marvel Studios holds something for people um, in the industry. And even though the fans are maybe being a little harsh on it, and are you fans? I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of potential that maybe actors and other industry people see in the MCU because they see an opportunity to do something outside of what they might normally portray or something they might normally be cast as. So I, uh, I'm i excited to see uh, Rachel Weisz and Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne because I think they could be a grounding force for some of the characters. Absolutely. And the thing about them two joining that I find interesting is it might it might mean an expansion of the roles of Ghost and Yelena 
because it's mm-hmm. giving them further connection. It's giving yeah. the sh- the movie yeah. further connection to their uh, their characters, which could it could mean these guys are going to stick around and be like involved with the Thunderbolts, or it could mean we just get an extra scene or two of like them getting recruited and like you know Yelena talking to Melina about it, or uh, the same thing with Ghost and Bill Foster. You know, like they could it could just mean those two characters are getting more of an expanded role in the movie too. I'm interested to see. Uh, okay, our pal James Gunn didn't leave us hanging this week with his announcement that Millie Alcock was cast as Supergirl. Alcock is best known for playing young Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen on HBO's House of the Dragon, part of the Game of Thrones universe. Do we hope we'll see Supergirl in Gunn's first Superman movie, or should the character be saved for her own solo project first? Uh, and I guess I'll take this one. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know about whether we should see her. I, I always feel like seeing someone in their first solo movie first is probably better. I just think that it worked so well for the MCU, and still, it feels like we haven't had any other universes really try it, except for the Sony-verse. You guys are sleeping on the Sony-verse, but who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Madam Webb, come on! Got to start the Sony Universe podcast. They were studying spiders. <laughs> In the Amazon. That's not all that happened. <laughs> I think a solo movie would be great, but it seems like they're going kind of all in on this Superman legacy movie. A lot of different superheroes are going to feature. Um, and so if I had to guess, that's probably what they're going to do. And I, I don't know. Gunn has done a great job introducing multiple characters in a movie before with uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy and Suicide, The Suicide Squad. So I think she, he could do great. Uh, but as for the casting itself, um, uh, Millie Alcock was freaking awesome on uh, House of the Dragon. And not only was she great, I feel like she was... Uh, she brought a lot of gravitas. And it's not exactly sort of the uh, stereotypical Supergirl casting that I think would often happen for this role in the past, and even the way she's drawn and everything. I feel like uh, Millie Alcock brought a lot of like really sort of deep characterization and sort of a quiet performance with a lot of like fire and like a lot of uh, just sort of demanded respect. Her presence demanded respect, and I think uh, it could be an interesting uh, take on the character. So I am excited for it. Yeah, I mean, James Gunn has proven, I think, that he is really good at casting. I mean, you think about some of the roles that he's cast, and when they're they're announced at, the, at first, you're kind of like, what? Like, that person for that? But then you see him in the role, and you're like, man, like, the vision matched up perfectly with what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah. So I think he's just earned the benefit of the doubt that this dude gets casting. Like, he knows in a meeting, this is the person that's going to bring this particular vision to life the best. Uh, I think Millie Alcock, at least on House of the Dragon, like, she played this sort of morally gray in the middle both sides of the same coin kind of character and supergirl can be that at times like there's there's kind of can be this morally ambiguous uh sort of choices that happen and um to me like she's proven that she can play that type of character very well uh i think it's inevitable that she shows up probably in superman legacy probably not for a big role maybe like post-credit scene maybe just like quick 
pop in, pop out. Uh, otherwise, this casting wouldn't have been announced this early. So I wouldn't expect her to have some sort of like leading role in the film. But I think she probably will be teased on some level. But they were saying, man, like they, they went for it. Like today, the article was expanded on Deadline and talked about how they brought these ladies in and had them try on the costume, had them do like everything, like just go straight for what they wanted to get out of this character. So they have a vision and it just seems like, you know, they, they kind of, it was obvious, I guess, in the casting room, once they did the costume, read the lines and put everything together. And uh, I'll say that she was definitely like the internet's most popular choice. Uh, it seems like most people, and that's probably a lot of that's name recognition. A lot of people have seen house of the dragon and maybe haven't seen the other actresses in things. Um, so I think like, it seems that most people, we're happy with this. Like most people thought, Hey, this is the person we wanted this person we heard about. We thought it seemed like a good fit. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens here. I think it's a really interesting project and uh, I look forward to seeing where it goes. She's very young. She's only 23. So I mean, mm -hmm. she's probably got a long future ahead in this, uh, in this universe and I'm um, probably going to have to be one of those foundational characters in it going forward. You mean James Gunn spoke and there wasn't a big backlash. Not yet. You know, for once, it was just kind of every everybody was looking for the controversy, but there's just no controversy there. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. It seems like. <laughs> Jay, I agree with what you said about her not being cast in like a leading role. I, I think you're right about that. But like the turnaround time on this story, like the the priority that this casting obviously was, like it was not that long ago that we were talking about like the three leads that were in talks. And now we have our Supergirl cast. To me, my read on that is that it is going to be a little bit more of a substantial role than just a post-credit scene. And like, I think about some of the other comments James Gunn has made where he's like, people were kind of like a little expressed some concern about the number of cameos or whatever. And he was like, no, these aren't cameos. Like these are supporting characters. And like, you're seeing the cast of a film be filled out so um to that end I, I really think that we will see supergirl like play a, a pretty substantial role yes a supporting role um maybe not more than like you know two or three scenes but uh, again with like the screen testing we don't know exactly who was involved with the screen testing but i have to imagine david corn sweat was in, was involved with that process so she's going to get at least some you know significant screen time is is my takeaway but um apart from all of that Millie Alcock was like the name that I was like kind of the least familiar with, but I think, you know, pulling talent from the Game of Thrones like franchise makes a lot of sense. We've seen it done a lot in the past, but DC specifically, like their heroes have always been steeped a little bit more in like the mythology and like the gods and monsters. And I think the fantastical setting of like Game, Game of Thrones like lends itself to that. And the other things we've heard about like this version of Supergirl, like you know, Clark Kent had the experience of like growing up on earth with a loving and supporting family. And what we've heard about this version of Supergirl is that she had the complete opposite experience. So what I'm hearing about this character kind of playing both sides of the coin and being a survivor and, and kind of, you know, leaning on um, alliances that serve her best, like kind of reminds me of what I saw from the character in Injustice 2, where she was kind of, you know, allied and, and kind of a, a pawn of Brainiac. So I, I wonder if they're going to pull from that, um, you know, side of the DC universe as well. But all in all, I think, yeah, this, this casting is, is a win. Cool, cool. Up next, The Last of Us has secured their directing talent for season two, and it's chock full of award winners. Mark Milode, who just won an Emmy for his work on the final season of HBO's Succession. Kate Heron, who directed the first season of the Marvel Studios series Loki. Uh, Stephen Williams, uh, nominated for an Emmy for directing H on HBO's Watchmen. And Nina Lopez-Corrado, nominated for an Imogen Award 
for directing on season two of HBO's Perry Mason. Uh, what does this stable of renowned directors tell us about the next season of The Last of Us? Yeah, The Last of Us Season 2 is really getting rolling. I mean, over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the casting, that a lot of the core characters from the game that weren't in Season 1 were being cast and are already set. There's already pictures out there of script readings and table readings where uh, directors and Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal and some of the lead uh, talent in the film or get or in the series are getting together and starting to read through. So it seems like this is going to film very soon, probably within the next month or two. Uh, that probably means that it'll be coming out early next year, I would imagine. And to me, when I see that list of directors, if you could like assemble an Avengers team of directors, mm -hmm. that's it. Like that is an incredible list of directors. And that tells me that like they're all coveted. They're all not hurting for work. They all have created like really sometimes like genre defining pieces of work. So to me like that, I was already interested in it, but I think if you're a casual fan or if you've never even seen the series, like that should pique your interest, just the level of talent that's already been attached to the, to the series. And then to just take that directing talent to another level, we already know what this series can do in terms of its writing. I mean, season one, I think pretty much across the board was universally critically acclaimed. So season two has the potential I think just from the source material to do even deeper uh, on deeper levels, what season one did. Uh, and so to me, it just, it raises my already excitement was already high, but it raises it because I'm seeing that they have committed to bringing a really specific vision and they're, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're going out and they're getting really talented directors who have a proven track record, not up and comers, but people who can really bring a lot of life to just the, the many tales that are going to happen uh, in the second season. There's a lot of different through lines that are going to be weaved here. And um, I think just to me, like I, I think it's the perfect directing cast uh, or directing list. I, I don't see any, anybody on there that I'm like, Oh, what about that guy there? This person stands out. Like it's um, it just shows me that they're really committed to making this one of their flagship programs on HBO. I'm completely with you there. And not only does it speak well of what they intend, but it speaks really highly of the first season, that it would attract this kind of yeah. uh, directors. Um, really, like, it is it is a murderer's row of just killer directors. And I didn't realize Kate Heron had directed all six episodes of Loki. Um, mm. That's impressive in itself. I didn't realize I was a single director for that entire series, which is really, really rad. Um, it, yeah, I think this really shows not only was the first season good, but it also had variety. They let different directors that were directing specific episodes really have um, a lot of leeway with making, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, leeway may be the wrong word, but a lot of vision and a lot of specifics to specific episodes of that show. Some of the episodes felt like big zombie, uh, you know, <laughs> post-apocalypse adventure stories, and some of them felt like little tiny character stories mm -hmm. um, that really focused in on uh, specifically thinking of, of course, uh, one of the two characters' names, Frank and... Bill, Bill and Frank. Bill and Frank, yeah. and then also... Yeah. Uh, the the two young girls Henry in and, the mall. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Henry yeah. and Sam, and then like Ellie and um, the name is escaping me. I know the the actress, but Riley. I, um, I want to say. The, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Riley. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of stories within stories to your point in the last of us. Exactly. And you get those, these moments where you allow a director to be like, I'm going to make a story about this very specific thing. And I imagine when they get hired, they're hired for these specific stories. And I think that's really exciting. Um, for them to have I don't know because I think about that and then I think about like the first episode with like hordes of zombies running at them while they're making a big explosion happen and it's like is, that's the same show like you know it's feel, it does not feel like the same show but it, it, it's really well done in that way yeah yeah I look at this list of directors and the the only names I really recognize are Mark Mylod and Kate Heron but what I find uh, that kind of like stood out to me about this list is like all of these projects that are being mentioned outside of Kate Heron, like they're all HBO projects. So they're like, obviously like pulling from like this, you know, stable of talent that's kind of been homegrown. So I know with like Mark mm. Mylod, like he worked on succession. I'm pretty sure he did a number of episodes for game of Thrones. Like I remember seeing that name pop up in the credits and then uh, feature wise, he worked on the menu with Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor joy, which I really liked, but I remember that one came out like really fast on, on max or HBO max at the time. So that had to be like, a, a Warner Brothers joint there. So, um, Kate Heron specifically, though, I'm really glad to start seeing her get work again because I remember after season one of Loki came to an end, like she chose to step away. Like, at least that's how the the story was kind of like spun. Like it was her choice. She, she said, like taking on that project kind of like stressed her out and like. With the the Marvel Disney Plus shows, like one of the big changes we've heard about going forward is that they're actually going to have legitimate showrunners. But previously, like Kate Heron and then Matt Shackman on WandaVision, like those were the closest we had to showrunners because, to your point, they directed every single episode of those series. Yeah. And I think the quality of those series like kind of stands out in in the uh, in the the lineup of Disney Plus shows. So. Um, I, she's, she's really talented. So the fact that she's going to get to continue to work with like, you know, such high profile projects excites me. Mm. It's really interesting the way when Marvel studios proper decided to start making TV, that shift of the entire paradigm of how you make TV, which is like TV is the writers, like the writers are the captain of the ship. And then the directors are a week to week, you know, mercenary generally. Mm. And it seems yeah. like when they started, at least that their vision was to do it the other way. And it, it worked in some, it worked in some aspects and obviously in others, it didn't. And now they're, they're shifting that. Um, but uh, it was, it's an interesting experiment at least to, because both of those shows um, are amazing oh, yeah. um, and, and particularly directed incredibly well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Instead of that director executing someone else's vision, you know. Okay, up next, will mom and dad ever stop fighting? And by mom and dad, of course, we mean Marvel and Sony. The studio giants are reportedly unable to see eye to eye about the direction Tom Holland's Spider-Man should go in on a fourth Spider-Man film. Sony is understandably trying to boost their Sony-verse with a crossover event that would again include Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, but Marvel sees things differently. Marvel desires that Tom Holland's Spider-Man continue with a more grounded approach that is intuitive to the character. Multiple Spider-Man appearances were scrapped from the upcoming Madam Web movie that Sony is putting out it's their most lucrative character, so no surprise that he's hotly contested, right? Here we go again. <laughs> the struggle eternal between mm. Marvel and Sony over Spider-Man. Sony's never going to let him go. 
Marvel's always going to want to try to do what they want to do with him. And Sony's always going to be riding their coattails a little too late. Like, we don't want the multiverse stuff with Spider-Man. We've already done that with him. And now Sony's like, hey, you liked the multiverse stuff? And it's like, well, actually, not that much. So maybe don't do that. But they're going to anyway. Um, I, I think it's interesting we're seeing Marvel turn to these street-level heroes, Kingpin, Daredevil, Echo, Punisher, like all of the Netflix people are coming back, right? And that's really where Spider-Man is from the comics. Those are his people because he's New York-based. Kingpin was his villain first before he was really Daredevil's. And and so it makes sense that Marvel's like, no, we have we have different plans for Spider-Man and for Tom Holland's version. Um, and we saw at the end of No Way Home, like him kind of going back to his roots, right? Mm-hmm. He's abandoned in the stark mm-hmm. tech and he's made his own suit and so it, they very much telegraphed what they want to do and sony being like yeah but we're doing this and it's completely opposite it's just like oh my god like they're never gonna be able to probably get it together until some huge deal is maybe mm-hmm. put together by marvel like hey you'll get all this money if you let us control the character direction again i think most fans want to see Marvel control Spider-Man's story direction, but uh, knowing that they even shot part of him being in Madam Web is kind of crazy to me, honestly. It's really wild that that would happen, but Sony has the controlling interest. So, oh my God, I'm exhausted just talking about it. I wonder what they shot and if it included Tom Holland or any of the other Spider-Men. I- I've said it before, the way to go here is just have your own Spider-Man. You've got two to choose from. Like, pick one of them, run with them. And I say it's Andrew Garfield. He never really got closure. Like, let that man run. Let him, even if he's not, doesn't even, don't give him his own movie. Just let him float around and be the, like, you know, sort of a, a hero that's, like, running around with all these anti-heroes doing their thing and, like, let let it be an interesting little world where he went a little dark and all these characters kind of hate Spider-Man for other reasons and like whatever like could be a really interesting world to uh have and you don't have to have it be a Spider-Man movie um I don't know if there's a bunch of I don't know if like Marvel saying we're not going to use Spider-Man in the MCU if you have a different Spider-Man running around because I just think that's just such an obvious choice for Sony to make if they're allowed to make it um and the idea of bringing them both back for another go at No Way Home is silly. Like maybe <laughs> one day, but like not 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 immediately. Right after you just did it, like that's the stupidest idea. Like Marvel probably wants to do, and this happens in the comics all the time. You're reading something, right? And all of a sudden, here comes Spider-Man out of flipping nowhere, and he's like, "Hey, do you need some help?" Like, like I feel like Marvel wants to do that with Tom Holland's Spider-Man right now, mm. um, and they can't do that if he's off on some galactic thing again. <laughs> Not to mention, Miles Morales is hugely beloved now, like yeah. because of the like they own the rights to Miles Morales too. He's in that Spider-Verse of characters that they do still own the rights to outright, as far as I understand. So bring him in as your Spider-Man if you can't get a Peter Parker. You still get this whole Spider-Verse to grab another Peter Parker later if you eventually get to that point. But like, just have a have a Miles in there. Let him do his thing. I don't know. It just seems silly. I feel like Sony doesn't need to ride Marvel's coattails with the, with the Tom Holland stuff. Just let them use Tom Holland. You do your own thing. Take the money that it gives you. Take that like half the income of the movie or whatever. 
You can't speak to a corporation that way. That's not how they see it. You know, they got they got a hit of that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield money, and they were like, "This is this is Spider Man now." Mm-hmm. You know, like this is what we have to do to keep up. But I think taking some inspiration from the DC side here, like the existence of Matt Reeves, the Batman, sort of proves, I think, to me that you can develop two simultaneous characters in different properties and you can mostly expect that people will keep up like it seems like most people understood when they saw uh, robert pattinson as batman that they were seeing a batman movie and i think if tomorrow james gunn said hey this other person is batman in my universe i don't think many people would like their their brain would just explode like i think they people would probably still go see a batman 2 and people would probably still go see batman brave and the bold especially fans can can parse these two things out mm-hmm. but i think your casual moviegoers as long as these movies are apart on the calendar probably aren't going to be that affected and i think spider-man is such a hugely popular character that you probably could foreseeably just develop your own spider-man if you wanted to the problem is is tom holland is the money like he is the guy you know he's been the guy he's been associated with spider-man and sony knows that i think on some level like he he is spider-man to most people who have been growing up in this era of marvel and so that that he has carved out that role so much for himself that just pivoting to another spider-man i think sony uh would see that as extremely difficult but yeah if if they really are in a level of disagreement like the rumors are it's probably going to get kind of messy. They have to sign these deals uh, per film, per couple films. Like they don't, they don't just have a standing agreement that Tom Holland can pop into Marvel Studios movies. They have to sign extensive contracts about this is how many movies you're signed up for. You can have this many solo movies. You can have this many appearances or cameos. Like we're getting this cut of the money. Like all that has to be negotiated. If you remember a few years ago after Endgame, all of this went up into an, an, the air for almost an entire calendar year uh, because Sony and Marvel's contract on Spider-Man had run out and there was a disagreement on how how to proceed with that. And they eventually worked it out because everybody wants to make money, but it's not always a given that they're going to work it out. So, you know, it's, it's always, it's it, to some degree, it's always been up in the air. It's just, it's getting more public as mm-hmm. Spider-Man has taken on more of a central role here uh, in our whole movie landscape. Yeah. This whole scenario takes me back to 2014 and reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend. And at that time, like he was talking about, Hey, Spider-Man's going to join the MCU. And he wasn't as like in tune with what was going on behind the scenes. And at that point in time, I was like, no, not going to happen. Like it's owned by Sony. It's just not going to happen. He's like, but no, Stan Lee, he's the executive producer on both. Like, no, that is just an honorary title. They bestow on him because he was involved with the creation of these characters. And lo and behold, I had to eat those words. But the reason I bring that up (laughs) is because Jay, to your point, it is just, it reminds me of how miraculous it really is that this partnership, even like, materialized in the first place and has gone on for as long as it has. And the only really, really is because it's been mutually beneficial for both parties. So like my take is like, I'm sure it doesn't surprise anyone, but I, I tend to be on Marvel and Tom Holland's side. Like, you know, uh, thinking about the spider verse, if it doesn't have Kevin Feige or Lord Miller's blessing, I don't really want to see it because we've seen what happens when Sony is left to their own devices. When Amy Pascal and Avi Arad, yes, I'm going to call them out when they're running the show, we get Morbius, we get Madden (laughs) web, which seems to be like an absolute train wreck. So, uh, I, I, I just hope Sony like 
realizes they're not getting too full of themselves or, or, or you know, like thinking that Marvel's lost or, or lost their touch or something like that, or they know better. Because while, you know, Craven does look like it may be the one exception that, you know, may, may surprise us all and, and be somewhat decent, everything else just, yeah, what are you doing, Sony? Did you see the hilarious quotes that are emerging from Dakota Johnson as she's like, painfully struggling along this press tour to try to promote this <laughs> movie, she start- which she clearly is not interested in at all. Yeah. Uh, she was, they were asking her like, you know, what was the process like of filming this? And she was like, well, it was completely insane because it was against a blue screen and they would just yell explosion at me. And I had to act like there was an explosion. <laughs> and she was oh, like, no, so explosion. I, I, <laughs> and I think the direct quote was like, she was like, I don't even know if this is going to be good or not <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, she was just acting to like an empty room and oh, just expecting. They tell her, like, oh, he's over there. Act like he's over there, you know. And but then, like, as an why actress, sign up for the film? I, I, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. And um, why make but, those uh, kinds of comments before? Like, I know she's got the nepotism working for her, but, like, I just don't. She hasn't been critically lauded. And then you say stuff like that. It's like, how are you expecting to continue to get work? I guess you don't care. Like, if you're just kind of burning your movie before it comes out, I think that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Her dad is Don Johnson, and mm-hmm. her, uh, her stepfather Meredith. is uh, Antonio Banderas. I don't think she's like you right. know hurting. She's going to be okay. Her, her, mom's her mom is famous. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Okay, there yeah. we go. I knew I was forgetting. Uh, one. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys see uh, SNL with her on it? I think it was either this week or last week. I, I, I saw some clips here and there. I didn't see the best, whole thing. But. Best joke of the entire episode was she was on that. In that uh, sort of writer's room with the do not destroy guys who are like the new sort of lonely island, and they're all making fun of each other, bouncing back and forth. And one of them's like, and she says, oh, is he, did your dad get you that or something like that? And he's like, oh, you want to talk about parents? And then they both go, no, Nepo baby, tr- or uh, Nepo truce. And then yeah. they put rings together in the center of the room and they light up like green lantern rings and they say a foot in the door and so much more. And then they yeah. just separate and <laughs> it's really good. That's, it was really good. That's funny. That was like the most interesting I've ever seen her be. Yeah, me too. I thought that was really great. Based on the quotes I've seen, I think Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney both think that they're in the MCU because they keep saying things like, I'm so excited to join the Marvel family. I love Marvel and I'm so excited. And I kind of just want to be like, well, do you not? Do they know? Do they not know? I just want to be in disguise <laughs> on these film sets, just merely observing <laughs> and being like, what do they think they're doing? Why well, do they, the thing why is, do they, they think they're here? They are joining the Marvel Universe, just not the uh, one that everyone thinks about. It's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe proper. That might mean something Marvel different. Studios. That's going to mean something different to somebody though who doesn't really who isn't as in touch. Exactly. As we are. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's not on purpose. Like I think they know exactly what it is, but oh, they yeah. want people to go see their movie, and enough people aren't following it as closely, and they're like, "Oh, it's a new Marvel Marvel Universe movie." Oh, okay. Uh, and I think there's enough like people that kind of fall outside of the, you know, they're not, they're not news hounds, like the people that come to this show. Uh, but like, yeah, I think there's enough of that out there that there's, it's enough market confusion that it might get them in the door and it, and they are technically in a Marvel universe. It's just not the one that, you know, I do a podcast <laughs> about, although I'm definitely going to cover that. Movie. It's just not cinematic. <laughs> or, Kind of different topic here, but are we sold on news hounds? Is that how we're referring to our listener base? Is that what we've decided on? <laughs> I don't know, man. Someone said no, it I, I, I during like a it. thing it just once. Kind of, it was, it was kind it. of 
it was kind of organic and it feels wrong to replace it now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a real, th- it's a real term. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I know, I know it is. If, if, if something naturally replaces it, I'm good with that too. I don't this have a problem. This is the New Heights podcast. We're not, we're not voting to name our fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, unless they want to. No. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm the Spotify I don't know. You got you got any more of those five star reviews? <laughs> yes. So write us a five star review with your uh, example of what you think the name should be for fans of the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that is uh, that's all for uh, the main stories. We're going to take a quick break. We got a great Spotify poll with some great answers uh, about what. Ryan Gosling should play in the MCU. And uh, we have a bunch of lightning round topics. It's been a busy, busy, busy week. So uh, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Multiverse News. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you guys want to dive right into the Spotify poll? Yeah, let's yep. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so we asked, who would you want Ryan Gosling to play in the MCU? And we got a bunch of answers. So I'm going to run through them quickly, but please throw out your thoughts, everybody. Um, Dolphin Jordan, great name. Andromad and IJ all said Dr. Doom. Was that, was that you who brought that up on the show, Jay Scotty? It was. Yeah, I think my people. It's, a good, it's a good call. Those are your people. <laughs> I dig it. I think I think that's a really good call. And some of these I almost said on the show, but I, I felt for some reason I didn't. I felt embarrassed. One of those was Cyclops. I think he could make a good Cyclops. He has that like that. I feel like Cyclops has Kennergy um, <laughs> somehow. Yeah. He's got yeah. Mojo um, Dojo Casa House Kennergy. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. And Will Malik uh, said, "Hero Cyclops Gambit or Iron Fist villain Hyperion or the Beyonder." Also, free comic day. Alan, my birthday is huge. May the 4th be with you. And with you. The Beyonder is a good pull, especially with Secret Wars. Did we talk about that last week? I don't think so. I don't think no, so. Not in regards yeah. to Ryan Gosling, but I do like that one. Cool. I don't know. Cyclops, though, you're going to cover up those beautiful eyes. I don't True. know. Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get somebody with ugly eyes. <laughs> but I think that jaw with the visor, he would look epic. He would really yeah. look epic. Yeah. Cyclops was the one I didn't have on my radar that really moved the needle for me because like Cyclops has always kind of been like known as like the boring guy. And I think Ryan Gosling really could like, you know, do something to jazz him up a little bit just with his, you know, his performance. Absolutely. Deadpool one, two, three, four and Sherman Sox fan said Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze. Uh, so, you know, I could see it. I mean, he'll never top Nicolas Cage, but like, could <laughs> well, be interesting. And, didn't the Agents of Shield have like a version of Ghost Rider that was portrayed by like a you know person of color? So like, yeah. Yeah. well, that was yeah. stepping Robbie on Reyes. toes for multiple reasons there, right? It was Robbie Reyes. So in the comics, oh, okay. there is a Fair different enough. version of a Ghost Rider who comes after Johnny Blaze, who's okay, uh, legacy and, character. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, legacy character. So Robbie Reyes has a big like. Uh, a Mustang or something, and he that he okay. drives that's like his f- flaming fire mobile or whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> Has it ever been touched on that, like in, in Sleepy Hollow, the headless horseman was like a a ghost rider? Like that seems like a like it could be like an Elseworld story you could tell in comics or something. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> you could write an article for comicbook.com about that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, go back and analyze the story and look for like ghost rider connections. <laughs> Um, my one of my favorite names for our Spotify poll, Ominous Boop, 
says, I don't care as long as he's there and he looks pretty. JK, mostly. <laughs> we're not JK. We all agree with you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all right there with you. I was sitting here thinking about like the, uh, the Cyclops thing and how those blue eyes need to be in there. But like, you could like have a, maybe you could have him like have contacts that work to block them, but he can't use his blast power. So he still has to wear the classic costume, which could have the eyes when he's off duty, you know? But yeah, that's trying to have it all. Yeah, you are. I'm trying, I'm trying to have it. Part of the character is like he's always behind those shades, you know? You can't. Yeah. It's the tragedy of not being able to see Ryan Gosling's eyes. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the notes you don't play, you know? <laughs> Jason Oshenbrand says. Uh, trash talking brawler with charm to win with words. He can do a southern accent. He has the looks. He can fight in movies. Uh, like uh, in movies is a uh, sorry uh, <laughs> stipulated there. Uh, why not Gambit? Uh, I think Tatum is perfect, but why not Gosling? As not a Channing Tatum fan, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if they'll continue with the Channing. Channing Tatum was like what. 15 years ago they were talking about yeah. doing that feels like yeah. it would be weird now but honestly both of them feel weird like older than i would want a gambit to be like i kind of want a young gambit to start and like age into the role but i don't know at this point they could definitely do a they could have the tatum gambit come over or or a gosling gambit come over from uh the fox universe and then like go from there i feel like the tatum gambit will probably show up in Deadpool. Yeah. Like if there was yeah. uh, if totally. there was like betting odds, like they would be very small betting odds. If <laughs> they want up. it, they got it, I bet. Because like he played the like the gimp character in that like uh you know talking about the, which movie was that? Yes. Uh uh at the end, this is the end. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And then he had a <laughs> uh, a very small role in Bullet Train and uh the Hateful Eight. So he's not, you know, above just having mm-hmm. these little like comedic bit roles for sure. Yeah, he he likes doing that. He I, I heard the story of him playing that that role on uh in in This is the End and it was apparently like they called him and were just like, "Would you do this? This is really weird. No way you'd do this." And he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm there." And he just like showed up, ready to do it, and went all in for it. <laughs> That's the kind um, of actor I'd want to be. Just like, yeah. let's just vibes. Let's just do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Isaiah Roseboom says, "I kind of uh, want him for Johnny Storm. Uh, I know he's supposed to be really young, but if Mister Fantastic is played by Pedro Pascal, and if Invisible Woman could be somewhat close in age to Reed, it could work." And uh, Brian Benedicto also says Human Torch. And Daniela Forrest says Ryan Gosling is the Human Torch. Picture this. Flames, charms, and a whole lot of drive. Uh, (laughs) Who wouldn't want a superhero with the ability to make our hearts race as fast as he does on screen? I, I like nice that idea. one. Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to gonna have to introduce you to Joseph Quinn, your new Johnny, uh, your new Johnny Storm. <laughs> Sorry, to let you down. Oh, I uh, that's actually was last week when we were talking about it. That was the other one that popped into my head, but I was like, no, it's too young. I, I thought the same thing. Like he's too young for he's too old for that role, but he could be a version of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonny Tetris says Willie Lumpkin, the Fantastic Four's mailman. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ryan Gosling. Maybe that's a Channing Tatum part. Yeah, that's that's Channing Tatum part for sure. <laughs> Appreciate the deep cut though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, Matthew Boyle says Cyclops from X-Men again. Uh, Jeremy Boyle, I wonder if you guys are related, says Jack of Hearts. Who's Jack of Hearts? I love Jack of Hearts. So I I learned about him in Rainbow Rowell's She-Hulk run that's been out. And he can absorb radiation, but he has a sick-ass heart tattoo on his face, like half of Mm. his body. He's really cool. I could see Ryan doing that. Mm, And then, like, hanging out with Tatiana Maslany. Like, let's do it. Oh, yeah, please. After seeing him as Ken, like there's so many characters that I can now see him as that like are just over the top, like kitschy characters that I did not yeah. see him as before, but now I'm yeah. like on and Jack board of Hearts with so has a lot of pathos to him too. So it's it's just the best of everything. Love it. I love it. Uh Imp CRK says Ryan Gossing elevates nearly every movie he's in his charisma is just so captivating as a nova lover the casting sounds awesome though a villain role like the purple man would be insane agreed he's got charisma (laughs) (laughs) he would be terrifying as the purple man uh for sure i don't know i love uh tenant's purple man though really Mm -hmm. really do yeah well, and if all the Netflix stuff is canonized now, then we might get him back. I sure hope so. Jessica! <laughs> <laughs> Jessica! Daddy screams at her so much. <laughs> yeah. Waterfall Angel says, anyone, just anyone. And uh, Super Kodu 93 says, I think it would be funny to see him play another variant of Deadpool in the upcoming Deadpool 3 movie. Uh, just have both Reynolds and Gosling roast each other to see who's the better Ryan. Well, what do y'all think? I could see it, but I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, the, the idea of having a sequence in the Deadpool movie where we have like, him kind of making fun of the idea of a spider verse by doing like a Deadpool verse and having like animal versions of Deadpool and stuff like that drifting through. And then him just being like, screw this. I am not participating in this stuff. Uh, just like taking off. I think that could be really good. <laughs> it's like breaking the fourth wall and then breaking the fourth wall again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they rip off their Deadpool masks and they're in Deadpool and then they rip off their Deadpool masks and it's just the Ryans as their Ryans. <laughs> it's like it's 16 weird. walls. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of walls, man. Uh okay. Well, uh I guess that that was thank you guys for sending this in. We we'll, uh we love hearing from you uh about uh, about what you guys think cuz those are this is all some good ideas. Before we dive into lightning round, which is a very busy lightning round this week, uh, we please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash multiverse newscast. Uh, we've been getting new, new patrons every week. We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining. Um, it's really, really great, uh, to see the support coming in for the cast. Thank you. Thank and you. We thank still you. have our giveaway going on Valentine's micro pops. They're super cute. Uh, join the Patreon at the paid tier or our existing patrons are also eligible. Love it. Love it. So if you're on the Patreon, who knows, you might just get Valentine's gifts from us. We love you. <laughs> we love you so much. Get down on your knees and tell me you love me. <laughs> no. uh, sometimes I think that you have a post-it note on your computer and you're like, uh, you're crossing off the movie references. Like you're like, I gotta, like, I gotta get this one in. I gotta get this one in. And you're like, cross it off. You're like, got it. Nailed it. <laughs> Something like that. Extensive library up here. This guy has. It's, yeah. it's quite, quite good. I've, I've filled it with a lot of useful things. Oh, useless things. Right? 
Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, okay, we're getting into the lightning round. Um, we're going to try to move quickly because that's why it's called the lightning round. And to do that, this week, we'll chime in with our names, and then you you respond to the story if you chime in with your name. So you claimed it, and we each get one rebuttal just for this week. Okay. Right, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Nolan's film Tenet will be released in IMAX theaters from February 23rd to March 1st. Scotty, uh, I did not get a chance to see Tenet in theaters because it was around that weird time where certain theaters were open, uh, but none in my area were. So I'm definitely excited to, to get to revisit this one on the big screen. I, I, I really like Tenet, so uh, I'm down to rewatch it in the theatrical experience. Sweet. The first trailer for the upcoming remake of ni- the 1989 classic film Roadhouse, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, has been released. The film will debut on March 21st. Matt, I never really, I don't think I ever saw the original Roadhouse, but this looks fun, and I feel like we are just entering an era in movies where it's okay to be sincere and over the top at the same time. I think for a long time in movies, I think that the like, and in especially in like genre films, superhero films, it sort of muted colors, things started to become like sort of like. There was a certain palette you could use if you wanted to be taken seriously, and mm-hmm. I think that palette is expanding. I think Barbie was a big, both a, a evidence of that and also a um, like a, a push towards that, uh, maybe maybe even like a catalyst. And I think that this movie feels that way. It feels like they're going to take it seriously, like the '80s did. You know, like it's a serious movie, but it's Roadhouse. You know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> the, they don't know they're in a schlocky movie. You know what I mean? And that sometimes. Some great art comes from that, and I think this looks kind of like that. I dig it. Scotty with a rebuttal. Uh, this story kind of hit my radar this week because the director, Doug Lyman, like went on record and said because they're putting this straight on Amazon Prime Video, they're not going to give it a theatrical release. He is boycotting the premiere of the film because he is on record saying Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is worthy of an Oscar. So he is miffed that Jake Gyllenhaal will not be eligible for an Oscar with his portrayal of Dalton, a role originated by Patrick Swayze in the eighties. Wow. That's certainly a thought. What a swing. Wow. I love it. Up next, Tom Hollander, a British actor known for performances in Pride and Prejudice, Pirates of the Caribbean films, The White Lotus, and The Night Manager, spoke on a recent appearance on Late Night with Seth Meyers. I love that show, by the way. Favorite show. Uh, About a time he was mistakenly sent a box office bonus check meant for Tom Holland for his appearance in the Avengers uh, films. Uh, Hollander uh, said... It was an astonishing amount of money. It was not his salary. It was his first box office bonus check. Uh, Not the whole box office bonus, the first (laughs) one. And it was more money than I'd ever seen. Uh, It was a seven-figure sum. Jay, I just love... (laughs) All I'm going to say is just, like, I love this story so much. Like, the idea of him ripping open that check and seeing it and thinking, like, what did I do to deserve this and realizing it was for Tom (laughs) Holland instead of Tom Hollander. It's so funny. I'm like, damn, what an invasion of privacy. (laughs) (laughs) He just let that out there. He's like, oh, yeah, all these Marvel actors are getting paid, like, big time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I said this on the MCU cast, but I think it's really fun. Like, I love the idea of him getting that check after like years, you build your brand as like Tom Hollander. 
And then this British kid comes along with such a similar name that no one ever thinks of you again. You know, like who's Tom Hollander? Oh, you mean Tom Holland? No, I mean Tom Hollander. And like, then you finally get a check and you're like, I should just keep this right. Like I, I just, this, I deserve this after all the punishment this kid has put me through. Anyway. A four-issue limited comic series called Darth Maul, uh, Black, White, and Red, will be on sale starting April 25th. Haley, uh, they put a Darth Vader version of this out last year, and it's really cool. So the mm. palette is all black, white, and red, and you get a lot of really different art styles. So uh, Darth Maul is a cool character, so I'm looking forward to reading these. Absolutely. Coleman Domingo will be starring as the legendary singer Nat King Cole in a movie musical from a script he co-wrote, uh, Variety Learned Exclusively. He will also be making his feature directing debut on the project. Haley, I was just texting Scotty today that Coleman Domingo is becoming one of my favorite actors, and this is cool. I feel like we haven't had a lot of Nat King Cole, like, maybe ever in movie content, so I love to see the crooner. Come to life. Mm, sweet. If nobody else is going to say it, Nat King Coleman. I mean, he was um, <laughs> born to play the role. Here. Maybe. <laughs> hey, Scotty, that is a joke made for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By me, for me. <laughs> we can't step on no. your toes like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I will also say he sings in the color purple, and he so he's got pipes. This is I'm excited about this. Mm, sweet. After a year-long search for Trevor Noah's replacement on The Daily Show, former longtime host John Stewart has agreed to return to host the program. Stewart will appear weekly throughout 2024 U.S. presidential election. I, I, I well, Matt, that's that's right. That's what I do. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> for this. I think he is a voice that was lacking in the last couple presidential elections, and I uh, really, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, grew up listening to him, watching him, um, and uh, he's he's become uh, quite the warrior out there, like doing just good things. Like I think he's become even less of a divisive figure as like time's gone on. Cause the things that he fights for are just like veterans benefits and like nine 11 first responders benefits. He's out there just like fighting good fights. And uh, I always found that like, I was very much on a different political side when I watched his show back in the day, but I just found he did a great job of just pointing out absurdity, like mm-hmm. on and often on both sides. He, he always kind of like, if something was absurd, he was not scared to call it out. And I'm excited to see he needs to be around. I'll dig it. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if as the election gets closer, if he'll even be able to keep it to just one once a week. Cause I think like this will be fun for him now that he's back to his old like glory day job. I think it's awesome. Yeah. His show on Apple TV plus, it was called the problem with John Stewart. It's really good. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not, you know, it's uh, if you're going in like thinking like, I don't really want to watch anything political. Like there's definitely, I mean, it's John Stewart. Like, there's going to be some political stuff, but it tackles a lot of big issues, and it's it's good um, if you're if you're a fan of his. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And the it ended very uh, unceremoniously. They apparently, f- uh, from what I understand, uh, this is just I guess my media intake, but like they fired him because he was like going after Apple in some of the stories, which like <laughs> I'm used to watching John Oliver who goes after. Uh, his he calls them business daddy AT and T all the time and makes <laughs> jokes about his business daddy and it's very very funny stuff. Apparently, John Stewart was writing that line and Apple was like, "No, 
you don't make fun of us. <laughs> and I think that's like, that's pretty terrible. And so going back to uh, uh, the Daily Show, I hope he gets a chance to air some of those grievances too. And like, just, you know, say what he wants to say. While speaking to comicbook.com about her Paramount Plus series Special Ops, uh, Lioness, Zoe Saldana uh, said she would be willing to play more superhero roles as long as they didn't require the extensive makeup process used to create her MCU character of Gamora. She said, if it never gets to happen, or if it happens with other filmmakers... Uh, and not James Gunn, or if it happens again with James Gunn, I would be so grateful. Haley, the question she was asked was, are you going to be in James Gunn's DCU? And this was how she answered it. But I love that she's open to it because for a while it seemed like she wanted to go away from all the sci-fi stuff that she's been really well known for. And she's really good at it. So between this and she said she's got teenage boys, I'm glad that she's still open to the characters. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pop in to say that it's probably inevitable that she'll be in James Gunn's universe at some point. Like, even James Gunn was asked about it, like, would you ever want Zoe Sandala to come back? And of course he was like, yes, absolutely, she's the best. Like, absolutely, I'd want her to come back. But you want to talk about bonus checks. I mean, <laughs> she was in Avengers, mm-hmm. like, all of them. She was in Avatar, yeah. all of them. Like, I mean... Come on! Like Notice she, she didn't she say anything any about the, the digital <laughs> characters. She was like the extensive makeup process. But you want to put dots all over my face? You go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to wear the jammies. Yep, yep. Also, just to just a uh, one small correction. She's only in one Avengers movie, right? But she's in well, all the Guardians no, of the in, Galaxy movies. She's well, she's in, in two Avengers movies. She's in uh, Endgame too. I mean, not for like a long time, but Zoe. Like she's in, she, but she's not in Infinity War. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, she's in uh, Infinity yeah. War. You got both of them. Somehow you got both of them. Oh no, you're right. She is. She is. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up. But she's only in she two. She's only in the last two. Off the cliff. That's right. In Infinity War. <laughs> kind so of a the big second, moment. <laughs> second version. I was putting it in Endgame in my brain. Somebody also falls off a cliff in Endgame too. So that's <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, exactly. I was mixing those two scenes. Up, two like, Avengers movies. Yeah. Two, uh, two horrible actresses tragic falling off of cliffs <laughs> yeah. and dying. <laughs> too oh. soon. <laughs> too soon. Yeah, yeah. Cliffing is the new fridging. Oh my God, Scotty! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <Sorry. laughs> oh man. Uh, later this year, Marvel Comics will apply their "What If" concept to the Aliens franchise. A five-issue run will be released following the characters Carter Burke and what happened after he survived the events of Aliens. Haley, I bet you didn't know Marvel owned the Aliens franchise, <laughs> but they do because of Fox. So they've been putting comics out um, for Aliens, Alien fans. I hope that you like these. <laughs> In a deal that, when closed, will be worth $15 million, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery has emerged as frontrunner to land the Sundance uh, documentary Super Slash Man, the Christopher Reeve story. Uh, sources have told Deadline. Uh, the inspirational film is about the late actor best known for playing the Man of Steel. Scotty, I'll just say uh, we haven't really had the opportunity to like talk about many documentaries, much less you know, watch them for this show. So um, in that regard, it, it's been a while since I, I've caught a good documentary and it'll be nice to, to visit one, you know, within this space and celebrating a, a, 
person and, and actor that did so much to to make the the franchises and the films that we enjoy to this day possible. Mm, absolutely. Universal and Illumination have released the first trailer for Despicable Me 4. The movie returns voice actors Steve Carell, Kristen Wiig, Miranda Cosgrove, and others. Uh, new characters voiced by Will Ferrell, Stephen Colbert, and Sofia Vergara will also be introduced. The film hits theaters on July 3rd. Jay, I guess I got to talk about the kids' movies uh, <laughs> in, uh, in this space. And uh, yeah, you know, I just can't escape the minions. They're just always coming up and they're annoying as ever, but the kids <laughs> love the minions and uh, you got to do what you got to do. So I believe that there is a minions prequel. There's a Gru prequel. And then after this, that will put us up to six Despicable Me films at this point. So, I mean, you talk about an expanding universe. Like, mm-hmm. this, there's no end in sight. <laughs> Man. Despicable Saw Patrol. <laughs> I, I'm just remembering now, wasn't it like last summer that the Minions movie that came out? Like, we saw Barbenheimer happen this summer, but it was kind of like the precursor to Barbenheimer where, like, people, like, it yep. was like college age kids like went in like full tuxedos to go see the Minions yep. movie, and they took like photos and posted it online. I thought that was that was pretty great. Yeah, it's, really it's like they're they're riding the meme wave, and then you got Morbius thinking like, "Well, I'll ride the meme wave," and then everybody punishes Morbius. Like, no, 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 that's right. You only that's get on this ride if we let you. <laughs> oh man. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are reteaming once again, this time for a new crime thriller that just landed at Netflix titled Animals, uh, which will star Damon. The project is tentatively scheduled to shoot, start shooting in March. Jay again, I guess. Um, I love the Ben Affleck-Matt Damon combo. Um, Air, their most recent movie, is great. And to me, like I think they're both just uh, talent that have really hit their respective like high points in directing and acting. Uh, the plot to this movie, I think, has to do with like a kidnapping and trying to like get the the son of like a high profile politician back or something very like kind of a uh, um, take taken sort of vibes. I, I guess. was thinking but, like all the money <laughs> in the world with, was the vibes I was getting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a better comparison. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, it seems interesting, and I just think that like these two guys are at the height of their powers. Like they're doing some really cool things right now. Mm, indeed. Daredevil Born Again has begun filming with actors Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson, officially seen on set with Charlie Cox. Uh, the rumor about Wilson Bethel returning as Bullseye has also been confirmed, and he will return for three episodes. John Bernthal's Punisher is also confirmed to be in the series. Matt? I am so excited. They're doing it. They're just doing it. They're <laughs> getting everybody back, getting the band back together. They're not doing some weird, this might be, this is confirming to me that this is going to be canon with the Netflix series. And they're going, and now with them reshuffling everything and the success of Echo, the positive feedback that I think they got from fans, I think they're like going to go all in on the Defenders verse being revived. And man, like, it was always this sort of maybe they will, maybe they won't. So I feel like we haven't been as like, no, we have. We've been like, bring them back, bring them back. But it's not like we had to do a campaign because they're never really gone. They're just sort of like, well, taking a break for a couple years. And now it's been five years, six years. And we're like, come on, now it's time. Come on, bring them back. And so I'm just nothing but excited for every one of these announcements. So cool. And the fact they're bringing back Bullseye too, it just, they could have easily made a different choice there. Like that's a character that was 
he's not a series regular. They could have been like, well, we'll save Bullseye. You know, may want to pick a big star to be Bullseye in a movie. But no, they're stick- the fact that they're sticking with the same Bullseye is bigger evidence to me than any of these other things that this is canon. Um, and I love it. The promotional popcorn bucket for Dune Part 2 gained viral attention ahead of its release due to its questionable design. Uh, shaped like a sandworm uh, from the Dune novels and movies. I can't... All right. The I don't lid, know if I call it that. The lid, <laughs> the lid with sharp teeth um, led internet users to jokingly uh, compare it to a fleshlight, uh, sparking humorous uh, comments and memes online. Uh, despite speculation about whether the marketing team intentionally created the controversial design, uh, the unconventional b- bucket <laughs> was successfully uh, has successfully generated buzz for the film, uh, which is set to premiere on March first. Jay, and I know we're all going to talk about this, so I don't even think we need to buzz in. Uh, let's get the obvious out of the way first. If you Google image this, it looks like a butthole. It just does. <laughs> it, like, it seems to have been designed to look like a butthole. And the internet called this what it was. And if this was created unintentionally, bravo. You know, you've generated a lot of hilarious comments that have led to real dollars and probably people going to see this movie just to get this bucket. Um, If they did mean it, then... You know, hats off. Like, you you did the thing we always talk about on here, which is you got to create a reason to go to the theater. They made a reason to go to the theater. It's the meme, right? You can't just generate a meme out of nowhere. It's got to be organic. And uh, if they did it on purpose, um, they're evil geniuses. They're like Barbenheimer. (laughs) Boy, have we got one for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this this is uh, is interesting. I don't know, man. Like, I... Yes, I get that it looks like a butthole, um, but that, I don't know, man. I, I can't talk about this and not be like a little, little, uh, but like, but like indeed, but like indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, like you're telling me nobody uh, in I'm the leaving. room did somebody uh, yeah, put this up on the board on and go one. like, it'd be like, we made this, and then there was nobody in the room that was like, hey, can I say something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there had to have been somebody that was like, "Hey, listen, um, have we thought about this?" A I little would be bit that more? person in the room. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, we think that the strike is what caused this movie to get delayed from November to March. But truth is, when they did the product testing here, it was like someone realized, "Oh, we've got to get these things into production. Like, push the film back. Like, we have our Barbenheimer." <laughs> I, don't, I don't see why they didn't make it for Valentine's Day then. Okay. <laughs> Seems like a Google perfect Google fit. image Dune popcorn bucket at your own risk. That's Go incognito like mode. A, <laughs> yeah, open a private window. Could have been a whole thing. Lonely on Valentine's Day. Come get this Dune bucket. Here's a practical question. Like, okay, you're sticking your hand in there to get your popcorn. Like, is it just like ripping it out of your hand when you pull your hand back out? I'm like, assuming they don't. They, they don't look very strong. They look like little rubbery. It looks gross. It's going to get covered in butter, too. It's going to be really <laughs> yeah, gross to reach down in there. Like yeah, those butter. little rubber things, buttery rubber things, <laughs> don't seem good. <sighs> this was fun. <laughs> All 
All right, so the lubricated bucket. Uh, moving on. <laughs> After a glitch was discovered in the early release version of the new game Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, the game was pulled offline. Scotty, uh, yeah, this this whole game has been has been really interesting to like witness the development of it because Rocksteady is a celebrated developer, especially within the superhero game space because mm-hmm. they, they launched Arkham Asylum. They did the Arkham trilogy and the, and the one Arkham game they didn't do Arkham origin is the one that's kind of seen as like the black sheep of that franchise. So it's been what, like eight years since, since we had Arkham Knight and this was like supposed to be Rocksteady's like return to glory and from day one, since we started seeing gameplay footage from this game, it has just been like they they cannot win because they decided to create this game. And I'm sure it was mandated from the top. You know, a, a few years ago, the game industry got this idea that live games as a service is going to be the trend. If we can keep people, you know, paying for games and playing games, not just for like a month or a couple of months, but for an entire year until the next version of this comes out, like the EA model, like, you know, the sports game that releases every year or what have you. And they can, you know, implement microtransactions and loot boxes and all those things. So initially uh, all of those games, you know, netted a lot of money, but then the, the, response and the backlash to that was extremely severe so we saw games like you know marvel's the avengers while it was somewhat successful uh gotham knights completely the opposite story like that game just fell flat on its face and it really does seem like unfortunately it's going to be the same case for uh suicide squad kills the justice league and the other thing i'm hearing is like as you know um reviewers and and YouTubers in the game space as they have gotten their hands on early copies. Like a lot of people are saying that they've been able to complete the campaign in like less than nine hours. So on, on top of that, it's like going on sale for like 34% off in the UK before it's even like officially released. So like, it just seems like this thing is dead on arrival. And it's really sad to see because games are expensive to make and it requires so many people's blood, sweat and tears. And like, I'm, I know nobody goes into, um, the game pro- development process, wanting to make a bad game, but this one just seems like it's 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 going to be a stinker. Mm. Man, that's really disappointing. I I love superhero games, and I particularly love Arkham's my favorite game series. So I was really mm-hmm. hopeful for this. Mm. A new trailer has been released for Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire, which showcases more footage of the film and features looks at some of the original Ghostbusters. The film hits theaters on March twenty second. Haley, I watched it. I liked it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> the second season of Apple TV Plus's thriller Severance is back in production after shooting halted in May of 2023 due to the WGA strike. Matt, good. I'm so excited for season two. Uh, season one really left me in a place of wanting to know what was going to happen. And at the time... It was supposed to be just around the corner, and now it's been another year, and I am just really, really frothing at the mouth for this uh, season two. I can't wait. HBO is developing a limited series based on the Gillian Flynn novel, Dark Places. Flynn will serve as co-creator, writer, and co-showrunner on the project. Jay, uh, Gillian Flynn famously wrote Gone Girl, which was oh, uh, adapted into uh, the movie Gone Girl. So she has a proven track record of writing like really 
good and interesting books. I read Dark Places, but it was a really long time ago. Um, I'm having trouble like really coming up with a lot of the key details. It was a real. It was like right when it came out, so um, I might have to go back and refresh it. But she's a proven writer, with, and uh, I remember liking the story. And yeah, it should be uh, should be good. I, I like this as a limited series. Like that makes a lot of sense. Sweet. Lego and Lucasfilm are collaborating uh, to celebrate their quarter-century partnership. It was announced on January 30th at the Nuremberg Toy Fair in Germany that the Lego Group will feature several new Star Wars anniversary products in honor of the 25-year milestone, including brand new builds inspired by the Millennium Falcon, Invisible Hand, Tantive IV, as well as everyone's favorite astromech, R2-D2. The collection's are available for pre-order and go on sale March 1st. Haley, insert take my money now meme here for <laughs> all of you Lego people. <laughs> there you go. The Guy Ritchie-directed film The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare starring Henry Cavill, Alan Richson, Isa Gonzalez, and Carrie Elwes, uh, among <laughs> others... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> there's been a lot of mispronunciations and retakes. The car, the car just killed me. <laughs> it's like walking somebody, watching somebody walk through a minefield. Oh. You're like, no, not another step. Yeah. No, all these sure. damn names. Oh, Lord. Oh. Carrie O was the one I knew. You know. Uh, uh, all right. I'm gonna try it one more time. Okay. The Guy Ritchie directed film Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare starring Henry Cavie. <laughs> oh no, I can't get over it. I'm crying. Oh my god. That was oh, so man. good. Oh, that was so okay. good. Of the four. Like, of the four names. Carrie Owens is kind of hard to say. Like, I knew I might trip on that one, but Henry Cavill is not at all hard, but I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched out. I just call him Cavi. <laughs> good old Cavi. <laughs> Me and I call him Cavi. Uh, we're tight. Oh, when man. I text him, I call him Cavi. Hey, Cavi, what's up? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. One more time. The Guy Ritchie directed film The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, starring Henry Cavill, Alan Richson, Isaac Gonzalez, and Carrie Elwes, among others, released its first trailer on January 30th. The film is based on the 2014 book Churchill's Secret Warriors, the explosive true story of the special forces desperados of World War II, and will premiere April 19th. Scotty, I just really enjoyed this trailer. It was kind of interesting. Like, had I watched this trailer not knowing that it was a Guy Ritchie trailer, I probably would have guessed, like, this is a, a Matthew Vaughn film. Like, that's kind of how it felt to me. It felt like yeah. totally. The Kingsman or, like, you know, The King's Man specifically. But um, it, I guess knowing that it's Guy Ritchie, it kind of feels like it's probably going to be the most similar to The Man from Uncle for him, uh, which he re he teamed with Henry Cavill in, in that one as well. But it's it's just really nice. Like we've seen Henry Cavill as his um, you know, his uh obligations to Superman have kind of become freed up and he's been able to participate in more and more films. We we've seen a greater range from him. And this one really just seems like he's he's like confident um and and just assured and kind of smooth and kind of like the opposite of what he's doing in Argyle, where Argyle he seems like 
rigid and competent. This one seems like he's like the cool, competent guy, which I'm excited to see because Henry Cravel. Eh. Henry Cavill is a great performer <laughs> and he deserves to get like roles like these that will just endear more and more people to him. Tiny butt. He looks unhinged in it and I'm here for it. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. Alan Rick Rickson from Reacher, by the way, like hmm. I didn't realize how gigantic that man is. He makes Henry Cavill look tiny in this trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. He's a huge dude. Uh, on February 4th, at the 51st Saturn Awards, Keanu Reeves will receive the first ever Lance Reddick Legacy Award, named to honor the memory of the late actor who passed away in March 2023. The award is for artists who epitomize talent, goodwill, and gratitude in the entertainment industry. Everybody would agree that Keanu Reeves is the most mm. deserving of this award. <laughs> yeah, it seems like everything I hear about him is uh, that he's just a really... Really a uh, good guy. And with his connection to Lance Reddick, it makes sense that he'd be the first to receive the award. I think that I dig that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, we wanted to touch on a piece of feedback. Uh, that is our lightning round. We are done with all the lightning round stories, but we did want to talk about uh, a piece of feedback that came in related to the Keanu Reeves of it all. Uh, Daniela, who commented last week on Spotify that she met Keanu Reeves and we asked for more details. So she wrote in. So I'm going to read it. Uh, We have, my name is Daniela Forrest, and I discovered the MCU cast and multiverse news podcasts just last year. But uh, before I share my encounter with Keanu Reeves at the John Wick 4 movie premiere, I want to start by expressing my sincere appreciation for the incredible work you all do. Your podcasts have been a game changer for me during my daily commute to the office. Listening to your lively banter, Uh, about the top media and entertainment buzz, unraveling Marvel red string theories, and diving deep into content coverage uh, have turned my daily commutes from mundane to a joyous roller coaster of fun and excitement. Podcasts, especially yours, have transformed my routine into a source of pure joy, constant learning, and a connection with the topics I love. Keep those awesome episodes coming, you're making a daily adventure out of me. As a proud New Yorker, your podcasts are not just entertaining, they're my daily sanity shield. Oh, man. Thank mm. you. Thank you so much, Very, Daniel. very kind words, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Daniela, appreciate you. Um, story time. So, there I was, working, the li- working and living abroad in London for four months last year, trying to be all eat, pray, love, uh, working <laughs> New York hours in a different time zone. Uh, I had my mornings free since I did not have to start work until 2 p.m. GMT. Uh, my mornings consisted of workouts, errands, and, a ca- and the occasional matinee. One day, on March 6, 2023, I headed to Chinatown near the theater district, for lunch at this spot called Lido. Totally recommend. Um, Post-lunch, I thought, let's take a different route home. I walked through Leicester, Leicester, Leicester Square? Uh, Leicester. Leicester. Oh, man. I, when was I wrong? Uh, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> but I don't blame myself. I blame the no. Brits. Uh, <laughs> Leicester Square. And bam, there it was. Lights, camera, red carpet, giant posters of the John Wick forecast. The whole shebang. I stood there weighing the profound life decision of catching my bus and working 
or being part of this cinematic spectacle. It's Keanu Reeves, people, so I stayed. <laughs> a security guard noticed my photo-snapping enthusiasm, or maybe it was how funny-slash-helpless I look holding my umbrella and snapping photos, and asked if I wanted to join the red carpet action. Wristband secured, I found myself at the back of the stage catching glimpses of celebrity behinds uh, during interviews. <laughs> and the best part... Keanu Reeves strolled up to fans afterwards, and I was there. Part of the excitement. Definitely a highlight of 2023. Man, that's awesome. That's a highlight of, like, life. life. <laughs> yeah, like, getting, I mean, you know, like, whatever. Like, maybe highlight of, like, connecting with a celebrity. That's so cool, especially when it's, like, I feel like most celebrity encounters, obviously most celebrity encounters because they happen in mass, but like at cons and stuff are like paid events or like mm -hmm. you're intending to meet the person, but just stumbling upon an actor you really love like that is so, so cool. It's right place, right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, she says, P.S. Matt, uh, you handled those Carolina Dreepers with such strength. I would have been dying. Uh, I volunteered Jay Sisson as tribute next. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. I still love you. All the best, Daniela Forrest. Thank you, I feel Daniela. Like maybe, I feel like maybe you went in and added that last line. Like you were like, she, you were like, she said this, not me. Her words. <laughs> uh, what is this last? Uh, who do you think Ryan Gosling should play in the MCU? Jay Sisson eating a Carolina Reaper. <laughs> Who put that? Man, that just came in. That's wild. Who put that on the Spotify post Real just, time. just now. Just now. Dang. Um, I, we needed to get back to it. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Well, it's been a blast talking with you guys this week. It's been a long episode. Thank you so much for sticking around for it. Uh, and uh, tell the people where they can find you online. Uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair. Yeah, check out Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And uh, award season is well underway over on Bingers Assemble, so check that out. And Haley Hobbs. You can find me over at Source Pages and also on Bingers Assemble for the Oscars coverage. And um, follow friend of the show, Ryan Doze's show, Many Paths Comics. I'm going to be on there in a few weeks talking about the Wonder Woman origin comic. Ooh, interesting. And Jay Sisson. Yeah, I'm over at Commute the Podcast, where you can come learn something interesting in about 20 minutes on your commute to work. We drop on Monday mornings, so come hang out with us. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you to all you listeners out there uh, for uh, the extra five-star reviews this week. We, we mentioned it last week, and you guys came out in mass. If you haven't done that yet, please give us a five-star review or hit that thumbs up or whatever you do in your various apps. It really helps the show grow, helps more people find us. And uh, we're just a little bitty little show that could, and we're trying. So help us help us out by spreading the word. Um, thank you so much. Peace. You stay classy, multiverse.